What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Tuesday episode of All Canadian. Wade Zanketa, Connor O'Neill here, and we are going to be doing some CFL stuff today because training camps officially opened over the weekend. Big weekend. CFL football officially looking back. Yeah, it is back, and a great way to enjoy that CFL football is with a nice, cold, crisp Sawdust City Brewing Company beer. You know they already offer brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This July, CFP listeners got our exclusive promo code extended once again. Use all caps CFP during checkout to receive free shipping on all orders over $100. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only, must be of legal drinking age. And Fox 40 and the Canadian Football Perspective Podcast Network is brought to you by our friends over at Fox 40, the worldwide leaders in whistle technology. For 15% off all your return to play whistle needs on products like the Trilayer Whistle Mask, the Electronic Whistle, and the Whistle Gator, visit fox40shop.com and enter the code CFP15. At checkout for 15% off all of those return to play whistle needs. A great weekend for football. Great weekend of football. Especially if you were an Italy fan. Well, I mean, Euro champs. It's alright. It is what it is. But it's also a great day for football fans if you are a McMaster Marauder. Because the Marauders hired... Taylor McIntyre, and Amanda Ruler for assistant coaching internships. Two females joining the coaching staff. Big day for Canadian football and football as a whole. We are seeing more and more females jump into coaching positions. The more, the merrier. Bring it on, ladies. I think they're going to do great. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, we saw this news break that Mac was doing this a couple months back. They have actually followed through and hired... Two young women to come in for the assistant coaching positions. Really excited to see Mac doing that. Some great things coming up in U Sports football from programs like the McMaster Marauders. So if we can keep getting things like this, if we can keep seeing initiatives like this, the game is only going to grow. Hats off to the McMaster Marauders football program. And other big news in Ontario. Stage 3 of reopening Friday, July 16th. Big news for sports teams. Stadiums will be about 15,000 fans in the stands. Home openers for the Argos, the 21st. Ottawa, the 28th of August. And then Hamilton will be September 6th. That's a lot of fans to start with. I'm excited that they are getting that many in initially. Only up from there as well. So looking forward to close to... Full capacity, hopefully, by the end of the year. We are going to be coming back, or coming back in some capacity, July 16th, this Friday. We don't have home openers for another month now, and they got to spend the first two weeks out west. Is it doable by August 21st, do you think, to have fans in the stands for the Toronto Argonauts home opener? Because I think 15,000 fans at BMO is more than doable. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the target at least. Uh, and 15,000 just over half capacity for the stadiums like Toronto, Ottawa, and Hamilton. So at just over 50%, that's a great way to start the year, uh, especially with the amount of growth we're going to see in those numbers. 
Hamilton starting their season at home, 15,000 fans with the Labor Day Classic. Can you think of a better way to get fans in the stands for the first game of CFL football? Sorry, the first game of CFL football in Ontario that fans are going to get to see? No better way. It will be a blackout at Tim Hortons Field. I'm not sure if those Argonauts are going to be up for the task, but we are still a couple months out from that time. A lot could change before then. I might even be proven wrong, although I don't think so because Jeremiah Masoli is looking sharp early on in camp. Staying with some Argonauts news here, though. Camp news coming out of the Toronto Argonauts organization. From Guelph? From Guelph. Correct me. From Guelph. You're right. Nick Arbuckle, I'm athletically in the best shape I've ever been in in my life. That dude is looking to start. There is some quarterback controversy in Toronto right now. I think it's just for show. Nick Arbuckle is here to show out. We are going to see nine all over the field for double blue come the first game of the CFL season. I'm sorry, can we do a quick pause here in news and notes? I'm going off script. We got to talk about the quarterbacks of the CFL for a second. Because not only do we have Nick Arbuckle coming out saying he's in the best shape, we have Trevor Harris looking like a goddamn bodybuilder out there with the Edmonton Elks. And then we have the luscious locks of Zach Caleros and Jeremiah Masoli letting the hair hang out of the bucket as well. I am loving it. These quarterbacks look like they are up in the swagger, up in the ante. I just like the looks of it. It's something to talk about. What a great start to training camp. Great, fun storylines to have. Man, we haven't seen these quarterbacks in quite some time, and they are certainly not disappointing right now. Even, even let's not forget, Dane Evans was so excited to come out to camp that he jumped over a tackling dummy onto a tackling mat for just, like, no reason. Him and Masoli trotting out onto the field. Dane Evans goes, you know what? I'm super freaking fired up to be here and just like fires his body over a tackling dummy. I will say I'll give him an 8 out of 10 on the somersault and entry afterwards. Gonna dock some marks because he didn't fully clear the tackling dummy. That is a tall tackling dummy to get over. So no shots to him. Just gonna give it an 8 out of 10. If it was Simone Biles, she would have cleared the thing with 200 feet of clearance and skyrocketed into the stratosphere. So nobody compares to her. But uh, for Dane Evans... Kudos to you for joining the gymnastics routine. Love to see that. Love to see that. LB talk coming up though. LJ McRae has not reported to camp for Saskatchewan yet, apparently. Also, Hinok Mwamba, new Toronto Argonaut, swap into the number 23 in training camp. Is this going to be a permanent number change or just a practice jersey that he's wearing? No, he's going with 2-3. He's going with 2-3. It's going to be a clean look. DBs or sorry, DBs slash linebackers in the 20s, especially number 23, always looks damn good. What's not looking damn good, though, is LJ McCray not reporting to camp for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Among the flurry of injuries, we'll get there, but among the flurry of injuries that they suffered over the start, the very start of training camp. Yes, the Edmonton Elks, Derek Dennis, retired slash suspended list. Tommy Jaheim, retired, as we mentioned before. Colin Kelly, torn pack, as we mentioned. But early on, Sunderland says, we have some young guys that 
all of you don't know about yet, but on the inside here, we're eager to see them on the field. Thomas Jack Cordilla, Chris Gangarosa, bring on the youth infusion. Don't worry about it. They are confident in that young core. Greg Ellingson also kind of shooting the talk. Not impressed by the betting line on the Elks this year. Empty the bank accounts and put it all on us this year. They are currently plus 1100 on bet 99. But the Elks seem to be gushing with confidence right now. Yeah, they're tied dead last in the betting odds with the Ottawa Red Blacks. I don't know if I would go that far. Like, dead last for these Edmonton Elks is a little... I don't know. I don't, I don't love it. But if you are a value better at plus 1100, hey, maybe something to think about because the Elks are not one of the worst betting teams in football right now. I don't know if they're going to win the Grey Cup this year either, but they're certainly not one of the bottom two teams in the league. But we're going to have to see how this all plays out because like you just rhymed off, they have a ton of injuries heading their way, which seems to be a little bit of a theme thus far as training camps start to open up before we move on into our training camp injury section we're going to we're going to we're going to throw you guys some bet 99 lines that we are absolutely loving right now first i just want to take a quick second to mention that the edmonton elks are also going to be providing free admission to anyone 17 and under for their labor day rematch against the stamps Finally, the CFL is doing some youth outreach. Get to the young generation. Get them involved. It costs them $0. If mom and dad want to go pay a cheap 300 level ticket, your kid gets in free. You guys can go and enjoy the game. Get your kids involved. High school kids can go and get sucked into the energy and the atmosphere. That is a CFL game. I'm excited for this initiative. I hope more teams can pick it up. We will see how it turns out for them and what the breakdown of free tickets they end up distributing is. Um, but I think it's a bold move, and I'm very glad to see them doing it. Yeah, especially in a game like this, right? Like, marquee game, what better way to get young fans involved than to have a game on Labor Day, a big game against the Calgary Stampeders, and then say, you know what? Youth gets in free today because we want to grow the game. They're going to be making enough on beer sales, vending sales, merch sales, I, I really like it. It's a great move. I'm happy to see some things like this happening in the CFL. Hopefully it's a trend that continues because this is just such a great way to promote fan engagement and young fan engagement. You're trying to reach a younger audience. Get them to the games. Let them come experience it. And now we can move into our Bet99 section. You guys know every game starts at Bet99. We are responsible gambling. Go ahead, sign up with the code CFP to get 100% of your initial deposit matched up to $600. But, you know, I might have given you guys some good lines throughout the Euros, but it is time for me to relinquish Wade's wagers for a month or so until we get some football back. Connor's covers are going to be taken over again for the next little bit. Where do you want to go? Well, first, let me say that you're not quite relinquishing Wade's wagers. I am making you throw a bet down today. But I would like to start off with 
the NBA Finals. So if you could be so kind as to give our listener the line for Wednesday night action of the NBA Finals, I'll read off my pick. Spread is a four and a half point favor for Milwaukee, who just dominated in game three. Connor, what are you going with in this one? I think this is going to be a long series. I don't see this being a five-game series like the Stanley Cup was. I think this is going to be more of a six, seven-game series. I think in the first four games, the Bucks and Suns are going to split at two apiece. The Bucks looked damn good on Sunday night as well. Bucks covering this one, four and a half points, series tied at two, heading back to Phoenix. Au contraire, my friend. Phoenix has lost Game 3 in both of their last two playoff series. They have come back with a vengeance and stormed away in Game 4. I think that Devin Booker is going to settle in. DeAndre Ayton will avoid his foul trouble and be able to limit Giannis's contributions. And I think that Phoenix is going to take Game 4. I don't know if they cover, but I think Phoenix is going to take Game 4 and take a 3-1 lead back to the Valley. All right, I guess we will see, but from Phoenix, we now go to the Open. Yes, the Open Championship is coming up this weekend, and if you are a fan of golf like Wade and I are, this is one of the big ones. We got a major here. John Rahm favored at plus 680. Jordan Spieth in the mix at plus 1,500. Brooksy in there at plus 1,600. Xander Shoffley plus 1,600. Rory McIlroy is sitting at plus 1,700. Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas round it at plus 1,800 each. Wade's Wagers, coming back briefly here for a second, where are you going for the Open? Well, you know, after Bryson DeChambeau was absolutely carried by Aaron Rodgers, he's at plus 2,800, but I'm not going anywhere near it. If Aaron Rodgers is going to carry you through a matchup against Phil Mickelson, don't bother. Uh, Rory McIlroy, plus seventeen hundred. I'm like I always love Rory's swing. He's got a nice clean, uh, straight. He's got a nice clean, smooth stroke. Uh, I I could see him pulling one out here. John Rahm is tough to bet against, but plus six eighty, don't get much in return. So I will go with Rory. John Rahm has been playing some damn good golf. Rory, we'll see. That's a that's a bold bet, bold bet. But I'm gonna go even. Boulder, I'm taking Dustin Johnson with mine at plus 1,800. He's been playing some good golf the past year and a bit. I expect him to continue on with that. Golf is such a ridiculous one to pick, though, because there's like 45, 60 guys that enter the field. Only one's going to win it. That's why the odds are so high, uh, and it's impossible to pick. So we're just doing this one for fun. The Open's coming up. We like golf. Thought we'd throw it in. There it is. Wade's got Rory. I've got DJ. Neither of us are going to hit that bet. Let's go on to the next one, which we do hope hits and then some. We've got boosted odds for the Tokyo Games. Starting in a couple weeks, Canada gold medal total over under four and a half. Where are you going, Connor? Again, like golf, medals are so hard to predict. However, there is like a bazillion events at the Olympics, which was what makes it so exciting. Four and a half gold medals. I'm going to say out loud 
that that sounds low for Canada, but then like people on Twitter are going to start yelling at me like, well, the average gold medal count is yeah, whatever. It sounds low on paper to me. So I'm going Canada over four and a half gold medals at these upcoming Olympics. And I understand we have some good athletes heading into this as well. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, not only do we have standout swimmers, Kylie Moss, and we have Penny Alexiak, but we also have Damian Warner in the decathlon. Damian, to me, is got to be the biggest shoe-in for a gold medal that Team Canada has. Uh, plus, you're going to get some standout performances along the way. Uh, there's going to be some great chance for Andre de Grasse to kind of steal it. There's a top three in the 100 meter that are really pushing. We have another 200 meter runner who is quite promising as well. So I'm going to go over as well. Uh, I feel like we can get some of the obscure sports as well to uh, contribute with gold medals aside from the big names. So there we go. Both of us going over on the Canadian medal total for golds. And that brings us to the end of our betting segment with Bet99. As always, we are responsible gambling. Before we get to our one big question for every CFL team in training camp, I just want to go off on a little bit here and talk about the injuries and the football mentality of starting a training camp. We saw last week, we saw a slew of injuries coming out of Saskatchewan, a lot of Achilles tears. We saw the offensive line with the Elks blow his peck. And it, it just brought me to a question of why, oh why, do we insist on going absolutely hog wild the first day of training camp? In any season to begin with. Yes, these guys work out non-stop. Yes, they are conditioned to the best of their ability. But it is a different animal when you get into a CFL training camp or a U-sports training camp or an NFL training camp, NCAA. It is a different beast. And every team that you go to, you see them doing what Saskatchewan did. Where it's, hey, let's go full go the first day. We're going to do a sprinting competition where we're throwing medicine balls and we better beat that ball to the spot before the ball hits the ground it's on it's a competition we're getting our juices flowing and you know there's just something to say about working your way into full go activities you have a full month you have a 14 week season coming up after that what is the need for football teams and this happens in new sports too you see teams come in First day of practice, they're going a full power practice or two two-hour practices with lots of contact, lots of sprinting, lots of conditioning drills, hard compete drills with special teams, and then the injury bug starts to roll in. Connor, we always made the joke between me and some of my friends that you, Ottawa, you guys always had the first week by and you would come flying out of the gates, but then halfway through your season... That hard training camp where you guys are sweating at 40 degree heat on the side of the 417, you guys get bit by the injury bug every year, like clockwork around week five. And this is going to be a similar trend in the CFL if teams are not smart with how they work their guys in. It is a long year. Even though it's shortened, it is still going to be a grind to get through it. And there is just no need for teams period to give themselves a full go start day one give yourself a shells practice where you're walking through then you get a little bit of conditioning next day you ramp it up by day three day four of practices 
then you can go full go. Your guys will be in tune, their bodies will be used to a bit of contact, back to running on the field with their equipment, and you can start going sensibly into your season. I know that's a bit of a ramble, but the main point is there's no need to be going full bore first day, especially after almost two years without activity. Yeah, you've had all of this time off. You've had nearly two years for some of these teams since you've touched the football field and seen live reps. And now you're going to go in and go, all right, we're going 110 day one. I totally understand it from the sense that like you want to see who's been working, who hasn't. I get that. That's what coaches want to see. But at the same time, there's ways to do that where you don't get your guys injured. You're, you're making fun of the, the week one buy at U Ottawa, which is true. It happened every year, and it was awful. We all hated it. But Hey, we had it our la- my last year at U of T. Similar thing happened to us. Three. I saw three in my time there. Three day one ACL tears. Three different times in three different years. There was three separate day one ACL tears. And now in the CFL, you have six, six Achilles tears. That's an injury that when that happens, we look at it as a society and go, oh shit, that's a bad one. Hope he's coming back from that okay. Because Achilles tears are scary, they're infrequent, and they are a tough injury to come back from. To me, the fact that there was six by the time that CFL training camp opened up speaks volumes. You don't need to be going this hard. Not yet. You can ease into it like Wade said you can ramp up to it but you do not need to be full pads full contact full go from day one especially when it's been nearly two years since you've played any kind of football or been in any kind of training camp I get it you can go run around on a field run routes get your work in do things that way to keep your body moving and keep your body active but nothing compares to actually being on the field in live reps in a training camp It just doesn't. Your body is excited to go. You have adrenaline pumping through your body. You think you can do more than you can right out of the gate, and you want to do more than you can right out of the gate because you're excited to go. You're excited to prove yourself, be back on the field, show it to your coaches, whatever. Bang. Achilles goes. That's how injuries happen. We just can't come out of a two-year break and essentially go 110 out of the gate. I agree with everything you said. And that's where you're, the players are going to want to go 110 because this is what they've been waiting to do. But that's where it's up to the coaches to be the sensible voice in the room and say, hey guys, look, we're not starting full tilt. We're going to work you into it because our goal isn't to be the best team for week one. Our goal is to be the healthiest and best team by the time the playoffs and the Grey Cup come, come around. You can't do that. If you're sitting sidelined with an Achilles tear or with a blown ACL or you pulled your hammy and it's gotten or you tore your hammy right off the bone because you were going too much too soon. It's just it's a it's a football mentality that's got to change, especially with the CFL that's being, you know, they get their slack for not reaching out to people. They have been very progressive in terms of player safety, eliminating padded practices in season. This is another step on that. So I, I, like I, just, I just don't understand. Let's get to our one big question. So we are going to be running through one big question that we have 
for these teams to answer by the end of training camp. We're going to be going through west to east this time. So one big one big question, not necessarily for the season, but something that we want to see addressed by these teams in training camp. Will we definitively get a yes or no answer on this? First one up, the BC Lions. Will Michael Riley finally get some solid protection? It's going to be a, an interesting one. Uh, he sacked 58 times in 2019. They have got to keep Michael Riley upright. And, you know, I think they can. They've really spent a lot of time and money into this. Um, we talked about Brian Burnham, all the guys he has on the outside. If he can stand upright in the pocket and deliver a ball, they have a shot to be one of the best offenses in the league. Yeah, my question is not about his playmakers at all. We know he has damn good wide receivers around him. Brian Burnham, Dominique Rimes now. Shaq Johnson's a pretty good playmaker himself too. But what the hell is his offensive line going to look like? And to me, this this is more than just the ones. Yes, you're starting five offensive linemen. You need those guys to look good in camp. You want to see you know, true game one reps out of those guys. But... What's more important to me beyond how your ones look, what do your twos look like? What do your threes look like? What are the guys that, God forbid something happens, like an injury in the season, how are these next guys going to come in and just fill those roles? Because, and just fill those roles? Because to me, the teams that are good, it's a seamless transition between your one and your two or your two and your three. You want your two or three to be as good as the guy that he is coming in to replace, should he need to come in and replace him. Absolutely. Now we will go to Calgary, where the new look Calgary Stampeders have the same old head driving him forward at quarterback, Bo Levi Mitchell, and his insane glove on the throwing hand, where he does not wear a glove on the non-throwing hand look. It drives me up a wall. But how does he look this year without his big guns? No Eric Rodgers. No Juwan Breskison, no Reggie Bagleton. Right now they have Josh Huff, Kamar Jordan, Markeith Ambles, Aaron Peck, and Herji Mayala. How do these stamps look on offense? I have no idea. No idea. Bagleton and Rodgers each over 1,000 yards on the season in 2019. Of the guys available right now, Huff, Jordan, Ambles, Peck, Mayala... Mael is the most primed and ready, I would think. He Josh had... Huff brings a lot of speed, too, and Kamar Jordan can work the slot, so they have guys. Herji Mael had 500 yards and five touchdowns in 2019, so for me, he's got to be, as of right now, this early on in camp, he's got to be the guy that Bo Levi Mitchell is looking at as his wide receiver one, potentially, but you're right. Josh Huff, with that skill set, could be the 1B or 2 at worst, I, I think right now as training camp plays out but we said it before I want to say it again Colton Hunchak can we see Colton Hunchak take a step as well my question is not whether he has the receivers because the list of names that we just read out to you guys they are good they are capable for me it's the chemistry because we know with Bo Levi and Juwan Breskison they've had that connection Eric Rogers was there Reggie Bagleton like I'm saying they had such good chemistry on the field. Can that be replicated? I know we had the year off, but how much were these guys able to work out together? Were they like the Alouettes where 
VA flew them all out to where he was working out so they could keep building their chemistry? Or were they sitting miles apart going, oh, I, I, I can't wait to work with this guy. We're really going to connect on play ABC. It's different when you're on the field. I'm just wondering how do they build this chemistry now that they're in camp together? It'll be interesting to see. Very interesting to see. We'll have to keep an eye on the Stamps offense. Heading down the road a little bit. Edmonton, Alberta. My question for these Edmonton Elks. So happy I get to say that out loud still. Still throw my hands to the side of my head. Every once in a while, just for old times sake. But my question for these Edmonton Elks. Will the young collection of talent that they have on the offensive line, on their offensive line depth chart, will those young offensive linemen be able to step up because it's looking like they are really going to need it. As we said at the top of the show, no Draheim, no Kelly, no Dennis. They still do have O'Donnell, Ruby, Beard, SVR as well, but they're going to be putting a lot of pressure on some of these young guys coming in now to really step up with the big hits that they've taken through injury and suspension slash retirements. And th- this camp is going to be about these guys coming in and showing they are ready to go. If the young guys are ready to go and I'm the Edmonton Elks, I might have as much confidence as uh, Greg Ellingson does, where I'm saying, you know what, this is going to be special. Because if they have some sort of offensive line depth, that can soften the blow on those injuries if we do continue to see a trend growing. Um I'm excited for Edmonton. I think they are kind of the David of the CFL right now where nobody's counting on them, but they have a bunch of pieces and watch out because they could come and smoke you in the mouth one week and you would not see it coming. Uh, We will keep it with the green teams though. Going into Regina, Saskatchewan, Rough Riders. What does this defense look like? Uh, especially with the injuries to Larry Dean and Nelson Lacombo, who was supposed to be competing for a starting spot as a pure rookie. Um, how how do they look? Nick Marshall's back. He made his appearance today. Dion Lacey played today at middle linebacker for them, trying to fill that Cam Judge role. What do you think they look like? It's going to be really interesting to see because, yes, they lot, yes, they lost a lot of pieces, but they still have a lot of pieces in place. Dion Lacey, if he shows up and plays how they expect him to, could seamlessly fill that judge role. Nick Marshall, we pegged him to be one of the best DBs in the league this year. LJ McCray, if he shows up, phenomenal DB linebacker in his own right. Then you have Godfrey Onyeka, who I am sure is going to be asked to take on a bigger role now with these injuries as well. I don't know. It's to me. Where they lost, they didn't lose as bad as it reads. But still, there's no real making up for the loss of Cam Judge and Charleston Hughes. And Larry Dean now with that added injury. That's a big loss that's going to set them back. At a time where they don't have a chance to go out and sign a big name to come and fill it in for him. This defense is going to need to go out and play... 75% out of 100 if you were going to be... Sorry. This defense is going to need to go out and play at a B to an A- minus average, in my opinion, for for them to make a run. 
without the injuries, I would say, you know, making a run was a lot more likely. But with what the defense is looking like right now at this current moment, July 12th, I think that what they have on the, the field for a defense might hurt their Grey Cup chances a little bit. Let's move to Winnipeg. Defending champs. The main question is, will... will Zach Kolaros, No, no, no. It's, his hair stay great. Okay, well, that's one. I was going to say, how big of a lock is it for Willie Jefferson to win Defensive Player of the Year? But, you know, we know those two questions are both answered already. It's, yes, his hair will stay fantastic. Yes, Willie Jefferson is the Defensive Player of the Year. But, no, the real question for Winnipeg this year, can Calero stay healthy? It starts in training camp. You have to be taking care of your body throughout that grind that is <laughs> as football training camps. With Claros, twice in his eight-year career has he played a full season. Two games in 2019, and guess what? This time, there's no Matt Nichols. There's no Chris Streveler in behind you to take over. If you get hurt, there is now a big drop-off between the next guy up. And because of that, they are relying on you to stay healthy because the talent is there. Andrew Harris is looking at 1,000 yards in 14 games. I say he does it. But can Zach Calero stay under center? Track record says no. I don't know. I'm saying he will play 10 games out of 14. In a shortened season, I'll take that. But I want Zach Caleros to play those 10 games and play the playoffs. Yes, that's, I was going to say. I wanna see. I was gonna, just maybe a little mid-season ankle, ankle roll, you know. Nothing too serious, but just gives him a couple games here and there. Um, no, I, I'm, I, I'm excited to see Winnipeg because if they have a healthy Zach Caleros, the league is going to benefit from it. It's going to put way better football on the field. And when Winnipeg wants to try and defend their Grey Cup title, I hope they do it. I, I hope they come close to doing it because it's going to push that Western Conference so much. Let's go East, though. Hamilton. How does number one overall pick, Jake Burt, fit into this offense? We know they drafted him because they wanted a player to come up and impact the team right away. How does it look? We can see this in the training camp. How... Does he take reps from Nikola Klinich? Where do they fit in together on the field? What sets are they using Jake Burt in more? How does he fit a Canadian-style offense? Does he play at the R? Does he play at the two-to-the-weak side? Where does he go? How does he help? And most of all, how does he protect Jeremiah Masoli if he is in the box helping to block? I'm still trying to figure out how he went number one overall. But I guess I have to move past that because he's on the Hamilton Tiger Cats now. We were talking about how he fits into the system. So it's just my reality that's been distorted by this whole number one overall pick thing. But no, everything you said, like, how does he fit into the offense? How does he work alongside Nikola Klinich? How do they work off of one another? Are they helping each other in camp? But most importantly for me with Jake Burt is blocking. What is he going to look like blocking as a year one guy? Yes, he has the size and, you know, we've seen the strength on tape. We've seen the weight room strength a little bit, but does that translate to the field? Is he going to be able to help Masoli stand up? And does he have, because let's not forget, he has NFL experience. He's been in this situation before. This isn't his first pro camp. Can he 
brings some sort of confidence with him to that notifies the team, look, I'm not just some number one overall pick rookie. Yes, I was the number one pick, but I'm here for a reason. I'm going to help benefit this team right away. I have NFL experience that I can bring with me and help the Hamilton Tiger Cats offense with. I'm I'm really curious to see exactly how they're going to use him. Uh, but Jake Burt has got to be the obvious question for Hamilton Tiger Cats training camp for me. Let's go to the QB controversy. We are not going to avoid this one. It is time for the boatmen. Is there a controversy? No. No, it's Nick Arbuckle. But how does Nick Arbuckle look in this new system? We saw him sign with Paul Apolise in the Ottawa Red Blacks last year. Then this year, he signs with the Toronto Argos without playing a game in Ottawa. That's If he got a handle on Paul Apolise's playbook, that could be three different playbooks in three different years. Uh, I'm excited to see how he picks it up. I'm excited to see what they look like with Eric Rogers, Breskison, Levi Noel, Martavis Bryant, Dejan Brissett as well, number two overall pick from 2020. I'm, I just want to know how does Nick Arbuckle look in this offense because he is a big question mark. He has not started a full season for a team, but my God, he is dripping with talent and he said it himself, he's in the best shape of his life. So let's see for the Argos. Well, in terms of how they're going to look, we know they're going to look ridiculously good. We've all seen the, seen the brand new uniforms. We've all seen the brand new logo. How he looks is not going to be a question I mean, for me. The looks for the Argos is not an issue. Did you not see Pinball Clemens on Monday afternoon oh, stomping around in the blue blazer with the blue Converse kicks? He is ready to go this CFL season, and he's got his team looking just as good I don't think it's the look, though, it, like you're saying. it's No, it's definitely, it's it's the play style. I'm, I'm making jokes here, but it's the play style for me. How are they going to fit? They've brought in a dump truck load of talent to Toronto. How do they mesh together? How do they play together? What does the product look like when it's actually on the field? Like, not only, we're asking this about Arbuckle, we're asking this about Arbuckle in the offense, but the same thing can easily be said for the Toronto Argonauts defense, they have Cam Judge, Henock Mwamba, Charleston Hughes. Let's not forget they brought in Odell Willis. So they have a ridiculous amount of talent amassed all over the field. But can the pieces fit together and play together? And what does the actual on-field product look like for me? Like, is it just a, a team with a bunch of good players? Or is it a bunch of players playing good team football? Those are questions that we get to answer throughout training camp. Uh, on to the Red Blacks. We have just two more teams now as we count towards the East Coast. With Ottawa, who is filling in the skill positions? I know the CFL puts out their presumed death charts, but with no Brad Sinopoli and Matt Nichols at quarterback, how does this look? Who is raking in yards? Who is hauling in receptions? Who is carrying the rock, more importantly, there's a lot of questions on this Ottawa offense and they've got all of training camp to figure out who's leading the clubhouse for the skill positions. This is a wild one. Dominique Grimes left for BC. Brad Sinopoli no longer there. Greg Ellison left a long time ago with his good buddy Trevor Harris out to Edmonton. So right now it's looking like the best option at wide receiver 
for the Ottawa Red Blacks, Peterman or RJ Harris or breaker of hearts, Carlton Ravens wide receiver, Nate Bahar, who just recently re-upped his contract as well. And with Sinopoli out, we could finally see him back in the slot. I mean, Nate Bahar tweeted out, for any fullback reps I'm about to take this season. That got me thinking, he's playing R, he's playing R, they moved him in the slot. Finally, he can play where he belongs. Let's hope he gets there. Let's hope he can contribute and fill a massive void on the Red Blacks offense. Off to La Belle Province. Off to La Belle Province. Your favorite player can definitely help this one. How does the defense get stronger from last year? We've mentioned the 2019 DB struggles. Is Marc-Antoine DeCroix looking like the guy to help that? Or... I'm not going to say he's the solution to the problem, but he's definitely a very damn good bonding agent to helping the solution for the problem. A little bit of chemistry talk for you guys as well. I paid attention in grade nine <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean, the question is how does the defense get stronger from last year? They brought in some great pieces to help them do so. They have Benoit Marion. They have Marc-Antoine Ducroix. They have Cam Lawson. Ethan McConzo, not to mention the collection of talent that they had on the team already. Former teammate of mine, Ty Cranston, looking like he's going to be starting this season at safety for the Alouettes this season. For me, how does this defense take a step? They need to do it on the back end of the field, especially playing in the Eastern Conference where we know there's a loaded collection of wide receivers. So one of the most one of the worst passing defenses in 2019. They one of the fewest interception rates, most yards, most throwing touchdowns. Just not a good look for the Montreal Alouettes defense. I certainly think that if there's one guy that's going to step in, ball out right away, and then be able to prove that he can help them on the field, it's going to be Marc-Antoine Dequois, maybe Cam Lawson on the defensive line front. But they need to do better on that back end. They need to firm up. Defensive end, sorry, they need to firm up the defensive secondary of the ball. Part of doing that, though, you need a good pass rush. They had one of the worst in football in 2019. Fix the pass, fix the secondary. Inadvertently, you need to fix the pass rush as well. Absolutely. We know Vernon Adams is going to be their guy on offense. They are going to carry the load for that team until the defense can get it going. But that brings an end to this one. Uh, unfortunately, we have reached the furthest extent of the league to the East Coast so far. Hopefully, we get another Atlantic team. We'll be talking Halifax shortly. We hope. But, as always, you guys know where to find us at CF Perspective, at Connor R. O'Neill, at Wade Zank. And you know that Fox 40 is the worldwide leader in whistle tech. The C- Canadian Football Perspective podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fox 40. And for 15% off all your return to play whistle needs, visit fox40shop.com and enter the code CFP15. And I am going to go crack myself a nice Sawdust City. Sawdust City Brewing Company offering brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This July, CFP listeners are getting an exclusive promo code So use CFP during checkout to receive free shipping on all orders over $100. 
Shipping is available to Ontario residents only. Must be legal drinking age. Again, that packs it up for us today on the Tuesday edition. Go back and listen to Monday. You had Marsh on the A Block. Coming up, you're going to get Marsh and DT on the Breakdown Wednesday. Wade and myself will be back on Thursday with another edition of All Canadian. And then you know what's up on Friday. Getting that Friday house party with Marsh and Mello. That does it for us, though. Hopefully, when we come to you on Thursday, Shoei Otani will be our home run derby champion. Show me the money. It's certainly going to be an exciting one, but we will also have some clips from Argo's training camp as well to bring you guys. That way you can get an extra look into how their guys are adjusting to the first week of training camp. That's all for now. Take care. Catch you guys on Thursday.